man. I love it. Let's hear it for Landon. Thanks, buddy. You're... You're going to see Landon get baptized Sunday if you're here. What service are you getting baptized? 11 o'clock. So that's going to be awesome. And uh, there's a few others. Catherine Warbler, who was up here last week, she's getting baptized this Sunday. You're going to see her. Um, It's been so exciting. I just kind of, I kind of hang back on baptism day and just watch and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because I feel like I just know so many of your stories as you get baptized. It's awesome. Uh, Hey, I want to just, what has just happened all ties into what's up here on the stage. Ashley reading this story, Landon telling his story, it all, it all ties in. And so just a second, I'm gonna, we're going to go on the iMag and you're going to see up here um, these, little, these little figurines and we're going to talk through the Christmas story. I am um, doing what I do once a year and that is I'm going to systematically dismantle the Christmas story. And so I apologize and Santa's not real too. Like there's like a few, th- it's going to be a sad night for some people, but um, I think what happens is we change stories and we clean them up and we, we kind of alter them. I'll give you two for instances. Have you ever watched a movie that you thought was hilarious and, and you haven't seen it in a while and you invite some people over and you all watch that movie to your horror because you're like, I don't remember any of that being in here the first time. Like, Heather and I did that with Zoolander and my parents. <laughs> in my mind, it was just a really funny movie. It was not funny for an hour and 30 minutes. It was like the most uncomfortable 90 minutes of our whole life. And I was paralyzed. It was like a nightmare. I couldn't turn it off. I was like, it's just going to keep playing. Because you just, in your mind, your mind can warp stuff. It's really easy for your mind to warp stuff. Uh, I, my favorite Christmas play is A Christmas Carol, and we just went the other night to the Alliance Theater, and we, we saw A Christmas Carol. I love A Christmas Carol. I don't know why. I don't, it's like, I liked it as a little kid. But, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to read, I'm, I'm going to read, not read, listen to the book. Uh, and so I have Hugh Grant reading me uh, A Christmas Carol as I drive around. All, some of you girls are like, right on. Like, yeah. Um, and so I have his sultry voice in my ears as I'm driving around. And, uh, and it's so interesting because the Alliance Theater has changed A Christmas Carol this year. And uh, it's like, it's kind of been altered a little bit, more modernized, and some things have changed. And I knew some things were different. And as I listened to it, I was like, oh, I had no idea how different it has become. And Heather and I are doing this little Advent devotional book at night, and the, the author based it on A Christmas Carol and took all these little nuggets out. And so it's kind of a fun little Advent study. And it's just fascinating how quickly we can take the real thing and polish it up and spin it around and just change it until it loses its meaning. So let's dig into, let, let's dig into this, uh, this little nativity set that we have here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my Bible here, which will probably block it a little bit, Will, but I'll move figurines around. So the, 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 let's just start with a few things. This is this is the normal nativity set. Does anybody have a nativity set similar to this in your childhood home or you have one? Maybe it's the guy, like the people are painted and stuff, but yes, maybe. Okay, good. I'm never asking you questions again. You don't raise your hands every week. All right. I, I'll, until next week, I'll ask you questions then at the dance. Um, 
But so here's, here's kind of the, the normal mix. You've got the wise men. I think um, Jamie, Jamie Warren set these up. So thank you, Jamie, because the camel definitely came with the wise men. You got your shepherds and you got your sheep. You have your, you have your donkey and, uh, and another camel. There we go. Camels and donkeys, they don't mix. Um, I made that up. We have a, a cow in the back here. Am I holding this up in the right place? Is this a good spot right here in front of it? Okay. We have a cow. It's a beautiful cow. It looks like the one um, on that cheese that you peel. It looks like, you know what I'm talking about? It looks like that one. Moo Moo. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, and so we have Mary here. We have an angel resting in the hay and another cow. And, uh, and then we have Joseph who is showing off his son. I don't know if you can see Joseph. Joseph's like, my boy. And so, so let's just dig in for a second. Ashley just read the Christmas story. One thing that's not, that, that's in every Christmas story or every Christmas nativity set is this guy right here. This is a donkey. Okay. He was not in there. He's gone. Donkeys were like Mercedes. You had to have a lot of money to have a donkey. And so, unless somebody loaned them a donkey, there was no donkey. A donkey was an expensive animal to have. It was a luxury. And why was it a luxury? It was a luxury because you had feet. So you could walk places. Now, the Roman soldiers may have had things to travel around on, but we know Mary and Joseph were poor because later on they go to the temple. And when they go to the temple, they have two things that they can choose from to sacrifice. When you have a son, you go to the temple and you sacrifice either doves, which the people that are all of you, you would all sacrifice doves. You all have enough money in the, like the seats of your cars to pay for doves. Like you would, you would all sacrifice a dove. Poor people would sacrifice pigeons. And so we know that they were poor. They sacrificed two pigeons. So they don't have a donkey unless someone loaned them a donkey. They traveled all the way to Bethlehem from Nazareth. It's 160 kilometers. That's 100 miles. Nine months pregnant, and they're traveling 100 miles. So they're walking. Now, Joseph, Joseph is, uh, he's old here. He has, he's very old. Joseph, this is wrong too. This guy's like early 20s. All right, so he's early 20s. He's just walked 100 miles. We're going to put him here. He's going to stay in our story. He's going he's to walk 100 miles. Mary, who here I think is from Germany, Mary is like, Mary is probably early teens because as soon as a woman began to become a woman, she was of childbearing age, that's when you got married off. So we have a teenage girl walking 100 miles, and we have baby Jesus. Now, I would toss baby Jesus, but for a lot of reasons I won't, but this baby Jesus is all wrong. And I'm going to show you why this baby Jesus is all wrong. Most all of the baby Jesus, in fact, you've never seen a right one in a nativity set. But I'll get to that in a second. Now, these guys, all three of them, you come here. One, where does it say there were three wise men? It doesn't say there were three wise men. It says the wise men brought three gifts. So what's the easiest thing to do in a nativity set? Put three wise men. Now, usually there's 
sometimes there's uh, two white wise men and one black wise man. And the reason is because we know they came from the east. And so they could have come from like the Silk Road kind of area, which didn't quite exist at that point. They could have come from that way, or they could have come up from Africa. We're not sure where they came from. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't there. So, they, but they came from the east. We know that much. They're following a star. And they're about two years from being here. And so if you have wise men, I would suggest you walk to the end of your street (laughs) and you set your wise men out like over here. And then like every few months, just move them a little closer. And then, do we have that picture of, uh, of a lot of baby Jesuses? Yeah, then when you get to toddler baby Jesus, bring the wise men back out. And by the way, this is, my mom sent me this picture this morning. I was asking her if I could borrow one of her nativity sets and she, she was laughing and she texted me and she said, uh, she said, why don't all baby Jesuses look like they're toddlers? And they always want to be held. And I was like, I don't know. And so I think all of her nativity Jesuses look like that. Um, this one is not one of hers. This came from, uh, from the McClish family. This is one of Jennifer's. Oops. She said it was okay if I dropped stuff. And so, anyway, <clears throat> but we go back. We, we digress. These, these guys here, these shepherds, they're not accurate either. You can't really see this because it's, it's a little porcelain figurine, but these guys are, are probably older. Most of the shepherds, would have been little girls, young boys, or old women. And there's a reason he appears to the shepherds. So I want you to remember that for later. They're young boys, young girls, or old women. Everybody else who's a shepherd, if you see a dude that's shepherding, he's just like counting his sheep. He's like sitting off in the back and he's not working. He's counting his sheep. And there have been some more modern movies in the Middle East, and they'll show young boys as shepherds. That is accurate. It is still true to this day that often it is young boys, sometimes girls, and old women who are still the shepherds in the Middle East. And so they're going to stay, but the reason they're staying is because they actually are in the Christmas story, and, uh, and we know there were sheep. However, we're going to put the sheep like... We're going to put the sheep over here because I don't, I don't think the sheep came, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So the wise men, they're far away. The shepherd, these guys are wobbly. Stay up, Joseph. Uh, now, cows, just, just sell them on eBay. There hadn't been cows in Egypt or in Israel for like 1,500 years. I don't know why we put cows in the nativity set. It's not a barnyard. Like, I don't know why we put cows in there, but we do. And so these cows, they're just, Kate, can I give these to you? Thank you. I'll just, you just hold on to them. You can do whatever you want with them, really. They don't belong. Okay, now, this angel, Will, can you see that? That angel's beautiful. She's praying, I think. She's a she. I don't know. That could be a dude. I don't know. Uh, Now, most of the time, on, on like the really like nice nativity sets, the angel's kind of glued on top here, and that's, that's excellent. Um, it's not at all true, but it's just excellent. Uh, and usually, we think of the angels doing what? 
Singing. I heard you say it. Singing. Let's just look and see. Let's just look. I have looked in the Greek. I have looked around. I really want them to be singing. Um, So here's what happens. Verse 8. In the same region, region, those sheep were in the region over there on the floor. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, when you read shepherds, young boys, young girls, old women, there are shepherds, young boys, young girls, old women out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Is the story like starting to come to life just a little bit where you're like, of course they were. They're kids and old ladies. And the glory of the Lord is showing around them. And so they're filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. Oh, what was the word? The angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven. I got one more for you, Kate. The angel's gone. The angel doesn't belong in the nativity set either. Now the angels gave praise to God, but it says they spoke it. Now if you're an angel, I don't know what kind of bedside manner you have, but if you're speaking to little kids and you're speaking to old women, you appear first just one of you, then you bring your friends. It's a little less intimidating. Like, and you, I don't know the tone of the voice, but I imagine it would be a tone that would be appropriate for speaking with kids and old ladies and that angel is talking to them and telling them good news of great joy. You're going to find a savior. And then a bunch of the angel's friends show up and begin to proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the angel then goes up into heaven and these shepherds and they had a sheep that followed them. These shepherds are out in the region and they know that it's in the city that they're going to find this child. And so they move over to the city and they find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This also is not a part of the nativity set. This is an A-frame building. And this A-frame building is made of wood. So, we'll, sorry. I'll put that right where you stand, Will. There we go. Okay. So here's what we're left with. We had a couple of teenagers, a newborn, and some kids and an old ladies walking up. Now, nowhere does it say 
a real good description about where Mary and Joseph are going to be. Look back in the passage with me. You need to see this. So, it says in verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn, meaning there was no guest room, meaning because this census had been taken, everybody went back home because nobody liked to live in Bethlehem because Bethlehem was like a farmer village. And I, like some of you have moved from farmer villages to Atlanta, and if you were forced to go back home, you would be like, how long do I have to stay there? And some of you, you know, how, you know the drill. So they have to go back home and, uh, and they're there and everybody's there and there's no place for them. And so there's only one place you're going to find this thing called swaddling clothes. And it's in a cave. Because a cave is where the shepherds would stay when the weather got bad. And if you ever go to Bethlehem, you'll go to the church of the nativity And then right outside the church of the nativity, you'll walk around and they will show you a cave and you will walk into the cave. And if you were anything over 5'10", you will be ducked and hunched over the whole time. And you'll look it up above you and the whole ceiling of the cave is filled with soot. And there hasn't been a fire in there in a long time. So when Mary and Joseph went into this cave, they would have gone into the place that the shepherds would go when the weather was bad and they would have fires in there and they might bring in a sick animal in there. They might bring in all the animals just to get some water and then they would send them back out. And so there's going to be dung in the floor. And now Bethlehem is five miles from Jerusalem. So Bethlehem was known as a place that would put together a whole collection of sheep, herds of sheep, and then they would come through and they would sort them and they would say, let's try to find the one who is spotless. And so every shepherd would hope to find a spotless lamb in their pile of sheep. They would go through and they'd be like, ah, this one's not quite, this one's not quite, Rabbi, Rabbi so-and-so is going to find something wrong with this one. Ah, this one, this is the one. This is the one that's going to be spotless. And they would take that sheep if they knew somebody was going to come through and they were selling them for sacrifice. They would take the sheep and they would wrap the sheep up so that the sheep would not get injured and become blemished. And they would wrap that sheep up in swaddling cloths. So when they went into that cave, they found the cloths that were meant for a spotless lamb. So when the angels heard that there was going to be a child wrapped in the cloths that you wrap a lamb in. They didn't have a whole lot of trouble finding this new kid because they knew it's got to be in a cave. How many families are in a cave with a nine-month pregnant woman? And so they just went around, and I don't know if they heard the crying. We know from the song the cattle were lowing and the baby Jesus, he lay. But like maybe he was crying. I'm not sure. And so they find them. And they find Jesus not in this nice hay-covered thing. The one thing that we know 100% for sure about the location, although it would, make, it would only make sense that he was in a cave, is that he was laid in a manger. 
Now the manger usually is a wooden thing. It's got like two X's and then it's got wooden slats on the side. Well, Israel's not known for having a lot of trees. Now Bethlehem especially is an arid place. There's not a lot of trees, not a lot of trees at all. And so what they would have done is they would have laid Jesus in a manger not made of wood. This manger would have been made of stone and the manger wouldn't have had hay in it Instead, the manger was used not for hay, you graze sheep. The manger was used to hold water. So, I don't know why, I, I don't know why we clean the story up so much. But think about it. We have little kids, old women, a 20-something-year-old guy who has no experience. We have a teenage girl who's just given birth. We have a baby being wrapped in the clothes for a sheep and laid in a stone trough. And it's dark. And there's no more angels around. And it says that once the shepherds saw this thing, they left. And so now... These three little guys right here are all that's left in the Christmas story. The, the place Bethlehem, you say it, um, Beit Lechem, and Beit is Hebrew for house. Lechem is Hebrew for bread. And so Beit Lechem, it's the house of bread. It's a bakery. So. Let me just put it all together for you. The manger's for water. The swaddling clothes are for the perfect lamb. So the bread of life is born in Bethlehem. The bread of life is born in a bakery. The living water is laid in a water trough. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is wrapped in the clothes for a perfect lamb. Now, there's no reason to mess that story up. God crafted it perfectly. That's why when I listen to A Christmas Carol and I think, man, they, these new versions, they're good, but like, why are we messing with the old one? That pales in comparison with this. You know, the angel appears and says, this is going to be this, this right here, this dark night with these three people is all about the one in the middle here. And this guy is going to be good news of great joy for all people. I think the question that I want us to ask tonight, our last regular Tuesday of the year, is, is he really good news and is he great joy to you? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah 9, one of the most famous prophecies about Messiah is given. If you listen to the church's daily rhythms, Will and I just use this scripture in a daily rhythm, and uh, it's Isaiah 9. Will and I read uh, verses 2 through 7, but I'm really just going to read verse 6 here for you. 
Actually, I'll read verse 2 and verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has a light shone. And verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I promise you tonight, every person in the room, myself included, we need God to be one of these four things. Look at the four things one more time. I want you to pick, pick yours out for tonight. Verse 6. We need God to give us wisdom, a wonderful counselor. Somebody, some of us in here, we need a wonderful counselor. We need to know, what do I do? We need somebody to stand up for us in front of the judge. We need someone to defend us. Some of us need that. Others of us need a mighty God. You're between a rock and a hard place, and only God can get you out of this. Some of us need him to be a mighty God. Some of us need the love and the wisdom of an everlasting father, a father in perpetuity. He never ends. One who is always the dad you can go home to and tell him exactly where you've been and what you've been up to, whether it was good or bad. And some of us, we need the Prince of Peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That's what this little baby came to the earth to be. The world was in darkness and the world still is in darkness. And a great light has shone upon it. And God gave us a son. He gave us his son. For to us, a son is given, a son is born, a child is born, a son is given. The baby was born. God, in that moment, gave us his son, and he's going to be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. You can't know him as one of those four things if you can't say what Landon said up here. If you can't agree with what the angel said, that Jesus is not only good news, he keeps me from going to hell if I put my trust in him, but he is great joy. And the only way, hear me on this, the only way he can be both good news and great joy is if you let him into the darkest places in your life. That's the Christmas story. He went to a cave where there was soot on the ceiling and dung on the floor to two kids who didn't know what they were doing and then had more kids show up and celebrate him. He comes in the darkest of nights, in the darkest of moments. Don't clean it up. That's what we've done with Christmas for 2,000 years. We've cleaned it up. And it makes us think we have to get cleaned up. A true, everlasting father loves you just as you are. And in the words of Brendan Manning, and I'll say it, I've said it 10 times and I'll say it 100 more times in the future, loves us just as you are and not as you should be because none of us are as we should be. Christmas isn't about you being as you should be and then he comes. 
Christmas is about I'm in the dark and this light just appears and shines right in my face. John talked about that. John said in John chapter 3, he said, Some famous words, he quoted Jesus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Of course he didn't. He sent his Son into the world to save the world. Why? Because he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's who he sent. That's who this little baby was. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world. It's good news and it's great joy But Jesus goes on, and he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Listen to this. This is the judgment, because this is some of you. I promise it's some of you. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. My hope for you as we round out this year of Tuesday nights and as we roll into the next couple of weeks of the Christmas season is that you'll just let Christmas happen. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you'll just trust that it's okay for God to come into every room of your life. And it's not because he wants to take things from you, which is what Landon thought, which is what I've thought, which is what so many of us have thought, that God wants to keep stuff from me. He comes in and he shines that light and it hurts really bad when he shines the light on stuff. He's been doing it since Christmas, the first one. He's going to keep doing it. And when he turns that light on into the dark places, he doesn't turn his nose up and say, you disgust me. I think he says, I've been doing this a long time. You don't have anything I've never seen before. Let me love you where you are. Let me take that out of your hand. It's going to hurt you. Let me give you wisdom on how to move through that situation. That's the counselor. You've got this vice you can't give up. Let me help you get rid of that vice. That's the mighty God. You need somebody who really gets you. That's the everlasting father. You have been inflicted. On your, you've inflicted upon yourself and you have had things inflicted upon you, that's the prince of peace. But the only way we can go with what the angel said, that this is good news and it's great joy, is when I sit back and I trust this was all the greatest cosmic love story ever contrived, played out, and it's still playing out in my life, and he loves me. And it's good that he's coming into my life and he's shining that light and he's exposing these things. I promise you, if you'll just endure the process, you'll come out on the other side and you'll be able to stand up here with me like Landon did and you'll be able to say, the Lord is good 
and the joy is incredible. Tonight, maybe you just need one of those four things from the Lord. And you know that you can't have one of those four things until you turn your heart over to him. Sometimes all you can do is just have somebody else come alongside you and say, can I pray for you? So as we worship tonight, we're going to have some folks over by this big garage door over here. Just go over. You can be as candid or as, as nondescript as you want, and they'll be happy to pray for you because you all, we all need to experience Christmas, God coming in the darkest of nights into our world just as we are and not as we should be. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much that you love us enough to come into this dark world and you came in on a dark night and Lord, you really weren't invited, you just barged in. And I thank you so much that you barged in. And I thank you, Lord, that you gave Mary and Joseph the grace to respond with a yes. I thank you that you've given so many the grace to respond with a yes. And yet, Lord, in our nature, we want to recoil from you when you step into our lives with that bright light. Lord, help us to trust that it is good and it is joy that you bring as you step into our lives. And Lord, may tonight we not recoil, but may we invite you into every room, every thought, every detail of our lives, knowing that you're not here to hurt us, but because of your great love, you're here to help us. We thank you for the way you came at Christmas and who you revealed yourself to. Continue to move in our hearts and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.